Hey, this is Kurt. And this is Jen. And this is Kurt and Jen Make a Podcast. B-Sides edition where we talk about nothing and play games. And sometimes we will use this B-Sides episode to talk about error correction that we made that listeners pointed out from the previous band episode. I'm sorry. I am infallible. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not true at all. Um, <laughs> but what's so funny is, Kurt, you run our Twitter and you sent out a tweet that... Somebody responded to. That's right. I usually tag all of the bands that we cover, and every once in a while we'll get a like here and there from the bands, but uh, we actually got a reply when we sent out uh, the notice about the Smoking Popes episode. That's right. The original Smoking Pope, Josh Caterer, responded because you interpreted a song. Yeah, I mean, I think that that maybe isn't the uh, only reason that he responded, but, <laughs> but I yes. don't know. It's I feel like I feel like if it wasn't for that, he wasn't just coming over here on my funnies alone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he he sent a little message a DM through Twitter and said, uh, "Listen to the episode, enjoyed it." Uh, but you might have got the lyrics to one of the songs that you talked about wrong uh, or at least the definition the or meaning the interpretation the meaning. was uh, not what i intended and it was like oh my gosh would you like to come on the podcast and talk about it and, and he's here today apparently that happened <laughs> i can't believe myself. i might die on today's podcast so like prepare yourselves it's been a wonderful run i'm so excited for you to be here so yeah, Thanks. welcome to the podcast. I'm to be here too. I I uh, enjoyed listening to uh, your podcast and uh, wanted to reach out for reasons that I think we'll get into. Later. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're working on now. And uh, you just recently, in the last couple of months, released a solo album in back in March of 2021. What inspired you to release an album during this pandemic? Um, yeah, the album is called The Hideout Sessions because it was recorded at a club in Chicago called The Hideout. Um, and it's a sort of a live album. Um, it's, it's a live album in that it was recorded live on stage at The Hideout. But the thing is, there was no audience um, because it was, it was you know, a, lockdown. It was a double hideout situation. <laughs> yes. You were hiding out from the hideout audience. Double, I, I never even picked up on <laughs> those, that level of nuance in the title, but it's true. Um, the thing that inspired it was that in 2020, um, the Popes <clears throat> had to cancel everything. We had a bunch of shows booked and we were looking forward to you know, doing some things that year. And then like every other band, uh, we just had to cancel everything. And so, you know, a few months into that lockdown, I was just getting restless and, and sort of, you know, bouncing off the walls, just uh, missing uh, performing music. Um, and I saw that 
this club, the Hideout, started um, having virtual shows on like a regular basis. It became almost a weekly thing for them, where they would have you know people come into their club and um, no audience, and it looked like everybody was distanced on the stage, so they were like observing all these uh, safety protocols. But they were doing it. They had figured out how to sort of play the hand that we had all been dealt and um, give people an opportunity to be making music and putting it out there into the world. And they, uh, it was just sort of impressive how how quickly they got that up and running. And I just thought, man, I want to do that. I want to be part of that. Um, but it seemed to me also like it would be an opportunity to do something else other than just have the popes do it. Um, just because it was, it, it just felt like, uh, you know, this was, this was downtime. This was like a break in the action. And I, I, I just thought of th these other friends of mine who, whose music I had always admired. And, uh, I had just never had a chance to play with them. These were, these were guys who had been in bands that the Popes had played with, mm -hmm. but I had never been in a band with these guys. And it so, was John Perrin. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, sorry. I'll just tell you who the guys are. Then I'll, I'll okay. yield the floor. It's, uh, <laughs> John Perrin on drums. He plays, uh, in a few bands, one of them called the love shots that the Popes have played with a bunch, but he also plays drums for NRBQ. Maybe you've heard of them. Oh yeah. Um, and he's just a great drummer and I've just always loved his style and wanted to play with him. And then John San Juan who plays in the hush drops and has some, uh, really cool solo material out too. And he's just a, a great multi-instrumentalist. Um, I asked him to play bass and put these guys together as a, as a rhythm section, even though they hadn't been a functional rhythm section before, but they're both great musicians and they know each other. And once we got together, so I call them up and ask them if they wanted to just try, you know, jamming together and see what happens. And if either of them had a practice space that was big enough where we could get together and play and still be six feet apart. And, uh, John Perrin did. So we got together and started playing and, um, putting together a set for this hideout thing. So in addition to doing a show during pandemic, you're going to add to that level of difficulty by recording an album out of it and then add to that level of difficulty on top of that by doing it with two guys that you haven't recorded with before. So you really took off a big chunk there with uh, with this effort and it sounds great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm super happy with how it turned out. I, I was also thinking about this album Um that Joe Jackson recorded, I, I probably it was like late eighties when he put it out. It's called big world. And, uh, it was an album that he recorded it live at a club in New York. But <clears throat> as the, the story has it, um, he let people come in and, and be there as a, a sort of audience, but there were, uh, there were like cards on the tables that instructed everybody that they needed to remain perfectly silent. So there was a, apparently an audience present, but he just told them not to clap and not to make any noise. <laughs> and he oh. also did 
multiple takes of the songs in front of the audience. So if you're if you're at this event, you're watching him do like you know a handful of takes of each song to get it just right. But so that's a little different than what we ended up doing because we just ended up doing one take of the song with nobody there. But still, I feel like Joe Jack Joe I mean- Jackson had set the precedent of recording a live album in a club that because there's no audience noise, it sort of sounds more like a, like a studio album. It's a little more sonically crisp because the the audience, uh, the sound of an audience, I don't know, I guess it has a certain charm to it on live albums, but I, I don't know about you, but live albums, because of that, noise crowd noise that you always have to sort of endure in between songs <laughs> uh i'm less likely to listen to a live album they're just yeah, not, I, not my go-to how hard was it performing in front of like no one because it's it's difficult we did comedy during the pandemic over zoom um and live streamed and all that stuff and it is brutal when you don't have the laughter so what's it like when there's no noise at all and you're playing like i can't even imagine yeah, it, it 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 was hard. I imagine that comedy would be even more difficult. Like how, because like from moment to moment you're depending on laughter. Yeah. So how how do you even do that? I mean, we can you can play a song. It it's only awkward sort of at the end of the song. <laughs> when you, you know, at that point where people would usually clap and you're used to a little feedback and you're getting nothing. <laughs> right. And so I I think, you know, if you had watched the the live stream of us doing the, the hideout sessions concert. <laughs> I think it was a little funny at the end of the songs where we would just, you know, play that final note. And then I'd be like, okay. <laughs> did you guys ever just clap for yourselves? Like, <laughs> yay, we did it. Hey, you did great, buddy. And I think there were actually a couple people in the room because there was a camera person and a sound person. And my brother was there just to be there and i they all kind of like had to restrain themselves just from out of uh like a, as a reflex just clapping polite uh politely at the end of a song oh i don't know what polite clapping is like i can't do that <laughs> i'm like i'm like yelling and like clapping loudly and like very excited all of the time jen has never been to a golf event so <laughs> i have no i'm not allowed at golf events i don't think i am allowed i think i would be immediately kicked out right they already have your picture up at the golf club do not allow this one <laughs> exactly so you mentioned your brother i uh Every time I think of a band that has brothers in it, I, I immediately go to like uh, Credence or Oasis or the Kinks and where you have this like, you know, this famous, you know, conflict between the brothers. I'm wondering how that worked for the Smoking Popes with two of your brothers in there. Yeah, well, something that I guess has worked uh, to our advantage is that we're a fairly conflict avoidant family. <laughs> and so there's a lot of like So wait, do you just like sweep everything under the rug as a conflict avoidance family? Yeah. Like you're like, you know what? I am gonna passively aggressively hate you right now. <laughs> it's all passive aggressive. <laughs> passive aggressive. So there have been times like on tour when there'll be tension between people, but nobody's fighting about it. 
there's <laughs> this heavy kind of silence in the van. I'm not sure that's healthy, like, Josh. Angry faces and people <laughs> like I'm just kind of like vaguely annoyed at your presence right oh, now. Oh, you and wouldn't I'm even make an angry it, face. Like, you would be you would be placid so and unexpressive. Yeah, it's pretty so, bad. I mean, it's not it's not healthy, <laughs> but it is the key to our longevity as a band. I have a theory, nice. and maybe you can Passive tell me. Aggression. Yeah, I have a theory, and I was thinking that like bands, like all those bands that I mentioned, have two brothers in it. But you had there were three brothers in the Smoking Popes. Yeah. So yeah. like like Greta Van Fleet or uh, or Heim or Hanson or the Osmonds, they all have more than two brothers. Is that the key to being able to work? <laughs> that might be another one of the keys because <clears throat> the third brother sort of acts he stabilizes the tripod it has a stabilizing effect yeah all right i think that might be somebody should do uh, a study of this i have so far invested five minutes in that study and that's what i've I've shared my results i feel like we could get grant funding for this like i'm just saying like this is this is science that's all i'm saying Let's call up somebody at WTTW and see if they give us. <laughs> uh, Jen and I both spent our high school years in uh, in Chicago, and WDTW just you know, rings a bell in my ear. So, yeah. <laughs> or the let's call up the John T and Catherine T. Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll get a grant from the Carnegie Corporation. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I know that you have something in common with Al Green, Little Richard, and Reverend Run from Run DMC. Do you know what that is, Josh? Um, well, they're all uh, ministers of some sort, aren't they? <laughs> That's right. And uh, I was, and you are a pastor at a uh, yeah. at a church. How did yeah. how did you come to that? <laughs> um. Well, um, let me see. I, I wasn't I, I wasn't always a, a Christian. This is something that happened to me after the the band was already in full swing and, and we were doing the Smoking Popes full time in the '90s. I kind of went through like a <clears throat> a time of personal uh, upheaval and searching for truth and meaning in life and a lot of that had to do with um you know the the popes were were doing pretty well in the 90s and a lot of my kind of artistic and uh musical dreams had come true and i still found myself profoundly unhappy and empty i mean it's a story you've heard from people in in these kind of situations i've seen behind the music i understand (laughs) (laughs) yes i i have a, a, a kind of a vh1 type of a story (laughs) uh well and so without going into the details of i mean it's potentially a very long story but the the short version is that during that time um i I started searching for god and to have a relationship with god and ultimately found that um through jesus christ and became a, a a christian and i will only as a little caveat say that the the thing that really made that happen for me was reading the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. 
because um, I was just reading, reading a lot of stuff about different, um, you know, different faiths and different religious ideas. And I was like looking into Buddhism and, and going to like meditation groups and, uh, you know, reading books written by the Dalai Lama and, and things like that. And just trying to like, I was looking, you know, at Eastern stuff, but I was also reading uh, the, the Bible, I was reading like the, the gospels in the new Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and sort of learning about Jesus and felt like, man, there's something about that Jesus guy. He really had it, <laughs> he really had it together, but I was a little confused about what to do with it. So, uh, mere Christianity by CS Lewis kind of like answered some of the specific questions that I had about that. And sort of, I was like, aha, this is it. And that, that's when I, uh, that's when I became a Christian. And that was kind of a life-changing thing because I never grew up in church or, you know, I had any kind of uh, particular faith or I wasn't a praying person or anything like that. Um, so this was very different. Um, and I, I sort of pretty soon after that decided that the thing for me to do was to um, quit the band, uh, which I did for... Uh, how long did I do that? I think I took like three years off of rock altogether before I put this other band Duval together. But I think that the Smoking Popes were broken up for about seven years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. But during that time, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Um... I'm a professional musician. It seemed like a pretty natural move to start playing music at church, which I did. And that sort of evolved into working at a church as a worship pastor and being the music director at a church. All right. So how often do you uh, break out the instruments and play some music uh, at church? Well, it's a weekly thing. I mean, every, every Sunday we have music at our, at our worship services and I sort of am coordinating uh, teams of volunteers uh, that like rotate because we have, I don't know, at our, at our church, there's maybe 25, 30 musicians total in the volunteer group. And so I, I, I put them into like different groups um, where there's like, you know, six or seven people on stage at once. And then I'm the guy that leads them through the rehearsals. I pick the songs and, and I'm actually doing most of the lead singing, although there's a lot of like ensemble singing and harmonizing going on. And We're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Josh Caterer of the Smoking Popes to hear a quick word from our sponsor. So Josh, do you think that anybody has started going to your congregation because Josh Caterer of the Smoking Popes is the music director? I feel like in the, I think it's been like 21 years total that I've been playing music in churches. I, I can think of maybe five people over the course of that 21 years who showed up at church and started attending specifically because of me. So that's a pretty low ratio. And it was more... Well, Jen might start. Jen might start, I, even though she doesn't I live in Chicago. I might just fly there. Is that what you're might, saying, Kurt? Uh, like I'm going to fly there for services on on the weekends? 
Maybe. <laughs> not, <laughs> every, no, Sunday, not every no. Sunday. Right, because that know. would get expensive. Yeah, it would get ex- Even with my miles, because I travel <laughs> for work, it would still get expensive, I feel like. Okay. Well, where yeah. do you live at? We're both in Tucson, Arizona. So huh. uh, currently I'm in Denver and currently Kurt's in Chicago, but we're from Tucson, Arizona. We're just <laughs> in different places today. Okay. We, we, yeah, we typically record uh, from our homes in Tucson and uh, we just both happen yes. to be okay. out on the road this week. So <laughs> one of the reasons why we do this podcast is we break down uh, the sense of humor of a lot of the mainstream bands and we would be remiss to not ask you, Josh, what band or bands do you think has a great sense of humor that would be good for us as, uh, on the podcast to break down? Um, <clears throat> the first band that comes to mind for me, whose sense of humor was very uh, influential to me, uh, were the Dead Kennedys. <gasps> we haven't done the Dead Kennedys we yet, haven't. and I'm so excited because we should do that next, Kurt. We should. I, I think you should. I think you should. <laughs> um, the uh, their songwriting has a very uh, sort of biting, acerbic wit to it. Um, they're one of the like first band. I probably encountered them when I was 12 years old, and just fell in love with kind of where they were coming from because their songs are so uh so sarcastic that it's that that it's almost like um what's the what's the term for that like they're not they're they're pretty far away from like they're not like uh they're not heartfelt they're actually it's like very tongue in cheek yeah, like, uh, uh, almost like a concept band. That's what I was going to say. Oh. Is is that they're um, they're not writing from a place of. That's it's funny, I guess. Now that I'm thinking of it, because it's sort of the exact opposite of where the Smoking Popes ended up coming from. <laughs> is that the Dead Kennedys are not writing songs like from a place of, uh, like uh, sharing sharing your feelings, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's not hard on sleeve kind of uh, uh, exploring the nuances of uh, romantic relationships. It's none of that. It's like um, exploring a variety of social and political topics with just um, just a cuttingly insightful kind of angry... Um, and and very sarcastic point of view and it was super inspiring to me because it's very smart their their lyrics you know for all of their like a, a person at first glance would just say man these guys are it's like these guys are like uh like my parents didn't want me listening to the dead kind of <laughs> it's, <not like, laughs> it's not like they um forbid it but they did not enjoy it when i when they walked into the room and i was listening to uh you know i kill children uh by the dead kennedys or any of that I kind mean, of stuff as a parent you know i can kind of see the uh that that initial reaction that maybe they didn't do the deep dive and realize the sarcastic nature so <laughs> uh, right 
But um, I don't know. There was just something really smart about it. And, and, and right away, it's sort of right at the time in my life when I was starting to appreciate punk music and identify with it, um, the Dead Kennedys were a band that signified to me that you could you could do this uh, really intelligently and with with uh, with a certain intellectual um, like approach that was that sort of elevated the whole form. I thought. Okay. Have you guys listened to them very much? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not not a lot recently, but uh, I think it's a great suggestion, and uh, we've got that slated for our next listener pick. So I'm looking forward oh, to that. Cool. Yeah, and I, I I know that there's still a band after Jello Biafra left, but I haven't heard any of the stuff that they've done. So and, and you know I feel like any other work that I I was influenced by is the earlier stuff that has him on vocals. And particularly the album Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables was something that was just, I've listened to it over a thousand times. I had it just on repeat um, during my formative years. So check that one out. All right, we will. One of the, you you guys have uh, such a unique sound with the, with the smoking popes and and a lot on your, uh, on your solo album, which, you know, you've got the punk or power pop or, you know, uh, music. And then you've got this voice, this, uh, it's often been described as a crooner's voice. And that, that mix is a real distinct mix. And I don't think there's a lot of bands that have that. Was that something that you decided that you wanted to try to do, or was it just something that your voice sort of led you to? Um, I think that that was the natural the natural product of the various styles of music that we were listening to and that I was listening to uh, growing up because uh, it was, you know, as you know, both my brothers are in the band with me. And so we grew up in a household that was very musical and our parents had a lot of records. And so, you know, our our mom listened mostly to country music. So she had all this, she had like all these Willie Nelson records and Merle Haggard and Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton and Loretta Lynn and people like that. But our dad had a lot of rock. He had like all uh, original pressings of all the Beatles records and a bunch of Stones and Zeppelin and, and things like that. But he also was into singers like, um, like Frank Sinatra and, um, you know, Nat King Cole and uh, people like this. And we would also, we watched a lot of musical films. Like I remember seeing uh, the music man, like on, on heavy rotation in our house. And um, can you explain Shapoopy to me? What does that word mean? <laughs> what does the word mean? <laughs> I've listened what to that. What does it mean? Listen to that song and I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? I, I get most of the other songs, but this one is Miss Me by a Mile. It's, 
I mean, it, honestly, if you came up with the word shapoopy, like if you come up with that word, you just need to make it a song because who else does it? Like you need to share that word with the world. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Oh, I wish I had written shapoopy. <laughs> <laughs> I have loved your covers of Judy Garland songs. Like I can't even, I, so it makes so much more sense hearing that you've listened to a lot of musical theater uh, or a lot of musicals growing up. Um, but why Judy Garland and why are you so amazing at it? I don't even know. I, it's hard for oh. me to ask questions on today's podcast because I'm trying not to fangirl <laughs> the whole time. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for feeling like I, I do it well. I mean, I, tr- I, I try to, in my writing and singing, to embody at least a genuine enthusiasm for that style of music. I don't feel like I sing as well as, you know, most of those people like, that's a bold faced lie, sir. It's <laughs> a bold well, faced lie. You sing as well or better than. Oh, well, thank you. We'll we'll have to agree to disagree about that. No, I, I think one of the reasons why it has worked for us is that like if if I actually attempted to sing those songs over an orchestra the way like if I had an orchestra that was like doing the Nelson Riddle arrangements of Frank Sinatra tunes and like I just stepped in front of his band and tried to sing those songs I think you would see pretty quickly that he is like light years beyond me as far as uh, technique and even just natural tone but the thing that has worked for us is to take that style of singing and put it in front of an, a completely different style of music that seems to contrast with it. And so it creates the illusion of me being a good crooner. <laughs> Whereas I, I will have to, this is, I didn't think I was going to have to disagree with Josh. It's on parlor. His podcast, it's all it's, smoke it's and all mirrors. smoke and mirrors. I, I can't believe it. I don't want to believe it. I'm just going to like, Plug my ears. (laughs) La, 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 la. It's not happening. Wow. Well, it is a really a unique sound. And and I was not the big fan that Jen was before we started uh, doing the research. uh, But uh, I am now. I think this was the first band I told you we should do on this podcast. And you kept saying no. And I said, well, you're going to get to it eventually. Because I am nothing if not tenacious. So... But I'm actually surprised it took us this long, considering uh, <laughs> considering how tenacious you are. But all right. Well, yeah, and I I uh, I appreciated listening to your podcast. I had to get over the fact, like, am I am I just enjoying this because they're because they're just going on and on about how much uh, they love uh, my music, <laughs> like. So there was a little bit of that, you know, ju- it was just purely an ego boost. But at the same time, I genuinely appreciated um, the the way that you go through song by song and and sort of uh, analyze it. I, I'm, I'm a fan of, of like thoughtful dissection of art. And because, you know, oh my God, we've just been called thoughtful. I, <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, the compliments just keep coming in. I can't. 
Well, really, I mean, a, a lot of people <clears throat> sort of know what they like, but they don't necessarily think about why they like it. Um, and as a musician myself, I'm sort of condemned to overthinking why things work and what makes something good and and. You're, Even if something is good, are there aspects of it that could be better? And like, how can you refine it and sort of tighten the screws on it? You're talking to a couple of comedians. We know this feeling completely. Right. Yeah, yeah. I did a set last night. I did a drop set here in Denver. And it's like, all you do is nitpick everything that you've done. And like, you do the same jokes, but different every time. So. Do you nitpick, you know, when you see other people doing comedy? you can't simply enjoy it and say, oh, that was nice. Like you're probably picking apart the craft of what they're doing, right? Yeah. I'm picking apart the like structure of like how their storyline fits and uh -huh. like how, like what order they're doing it in and like how they could have changed the order to make it better. Cause it's a storytelling format, right? Like, and you've just got to make sure that your story is flow. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, so you both understand that mindset, that way of looking at art. And I, you know, I think that's transferable seemingly from music to comedy to film, uh, you know, stage plays, like anything that you're creating where there's some kind of a narrative where words are involved uh, and there needs to be some kind of a flow. The flow of music, you know, it has its own rhythm in order for it to work. You know, so does comedy. And it's like, but you, you get into this mindset where you're you're thinking about things uh in a different way than the, the average person does and which seems like you wouldn't have it any other way but it does seem like a curse at times so it is nice to talk to other people who share that mindset and and who who you know so, so to listen to your podcast it was like oh it's refreshing just to hear people who actually think about what they're listening to and i, I dig that Oh, excellent. Thank you for again telling us that we can think. I'm very impressed. I'm very, I'm, I'm glowing. I'm glowing. Although. Yes. And you combine it with enthusiasm um, in a way that makes it extra uh, enjoyable to listen to. So. Oh, thank you. And all of this comes with one big caveat, because the whole reason why you reached out was that I got the interpretation wrong on one of your songs, the song Paul. In my analysis of the song Paul, I uh, interpreted it as the singer was Paul and that he was looking forward to having his love interest say his name, saying that I love you, Paul. And I thought that that was a very odd angle uh, that, that you would that someone would write a song about. And normally when people tell me that I'm wrong, I disagree with them wholeheartedly. But Considering the fact that I got feedback from the author of the song, I guess I have to listen. So, Josh, what is the song Paul really about? This is okay. such a good day. I love hearing Kurt say he's wrong. Okay, go ahead, Josh. Uh, I'm, I'm open to, to listening to it. I don't think I said I was wrong. I'm open to the idea. No, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong, <laughs> Kurt. Let Josh talk now. Okay. No, what I was going to say was that... I I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly use the the term that you are wrong because anytime you know I that you create something you put it out there particularly with I think songs um you you put them out there and and understand that 
sometimes people are going to interpret them in different ways. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, but it wasn't just, what uh, you intended when you wrote it. it. It wasn't what I had in mind when I wrote it. Um, and I was, I thought that your take on it was interesting. I hadn't heard that before. And so I feel like if, if listening to the song works from, from the kind of framework that you described, then it's an acceptable way uh, to view the song. Oh, Kurt, don't, sit down, Kurt. Sit down. <laughs> you but, don't need to be told that you're right. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, from my point of view in writing it, um, the, uh, what would you say, the, the, the protagonist of the song is a guy who um, who lost his girlfriend to a guy named Paul, or or they they broke up and now she's with a guy named Paul. So every time the chorus of the song comes around, the the guy singing is like torn apart as he imagines the his true love telling some other guy named Paul that she loves him. And this, this thought like just, just tears him up. It is probably more correct, your interpretation, but a lot less funny that way. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. The angle you took, Kurt, did make it quite funny. Cause yeah. that, that was not as fun. Like, that's that's not as, it's like a I heartfelt, sad, beautiful song when you think of it that way. And it's a funny way when we think of it, Kurt. <laughs> yes. Because you have like the, you're looking at it through a comedic lens. So like things automatically become funnier when yeah. you analyze them than, than the, uh, than the author originally intended. <laughs> All um, right. All right. Well, I will. Uh... Oh, but I, I had one other thing that I wanted to mention. Yeah. Uh, something that, that stuck out, uh, to me from from listening to your podcast episode about the popes is that you talked about the song starstruck one and uh you mentioned that uh you you felt like it was it was unfortunate that i had used uh the p word uh <laughs> in a derogatory way yes in that song <laughs> And uh, I really uh, like that you that you pointed that out because, uh, frankly, as the years have gone on, I have had uh, twinges of regret about that myself. Um, but you're the first person who I've ever actually heard say that like that's not cool, and I have to say that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I wish that I had, uh, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I remember the reasons why I put that word in there, which actually was unusual for the popes because we don't. Yeah, it was like, super unusual. You don't like use, you know, what would be considered to be bad words for. I think that's the only instance in a recorded Smoky Pope song where that's the case. So I used it for you know, specific impact at the time. Um, but I, I wish, 
it it just it, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> so I wish it wasn't that way. Not ever. But I'll say that like the what what I was going for from a from a sort of poetic uh, point of view is that in that little section of the song, there are several um, references to body parts in a row that are all, it's all, my heart tapped me on the shoulder and whispered in my ear. And so there's these kind of, what do you call that when you take something that's inanimate and you give it, you give it like life and personality. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I wish I had listened better in English class. Oh, yes. personification. Oh my God, Kurt, did yeah, you but... like get an A in English class? Because I didn't. That's, that's it. It was like a series of uh, personifications of body parts, like all crammed into one. And it had to end with one that really had like a certain show-stopping appeal. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, over time, especially in, in recent years, um, you know, when we've come around to do that song, I just felt like, you know, it's sort of not cool to, to use the female genitalia as a as, as an insult. I'm just like not comfortable with that yeah I'm, i wish i there were other body parts i could have gone with at in that for that moment in the song that would have also had a certain punch <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's one of those words where it's like no that's a lot stronger than you think it like like w like you know you could push a baby out like i'm just saying like it shouldn't have a negative connotation it should have only a positive connotation that's that's my take on that word yeah <laughs> I agree. And I, yeah. I want to, I want to, um, you know, hear on your podcast as the writer of that song to publicly say, sorry, that wasn't cool. I wish I had made a different word choice. All right. We, I mean, we Noted. accept, but you're amazing. And I will like, everything changes in the lens of history as things age and all that. And if you had one thing that you feel regret about, you're better than most There's of no us. There's no reason to. It's better than most of us. <laughs> okay. Well, thank yeah. you. Okay. So one thing we have to ask, is there a plan in the near future for a Smoking Popes or a solo Josh tour? And if there is, will you be coming to Tucson? And if you have or to- Or Arizona in general. I will go to Phoenix. I do not care. We'll go to damn Yuma if we have to, but it would be <laughs> I, great. Don't go to Yuma. That's just a per like, don't go to Yuma. Like, I, why yeah, would you send please, him yeah, there? Yeah, there's no reason anyway. to, but I'm just saying we would. There's no reason. <laughs> I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for Yuma just because of the movie. Oh, the 310? 310 to Yuma. That shows up a lot of times in Game Show Show, and I never get it right, Kurt. <laughs> so if you could just remove that from the Game Show Show list, I would really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, so I know it's a remake, and I haven't seen the original, but the, the later one with, with Russell Crowe is a really good movie. I you will should, have to watch it now. You should watch that. But the answer is yes, although we don't have definite plans uh, at this point. You know, I'm talking about ta thinking and talking and planning about putting some tour dates together for my solo band. Oh, and nice. I, I don't know. It, it, I think the prevailing sentiment among the popes at this point is 
not to tour, just to do stuff around the Midwest. I don't know if that's going to change. It's, um, you know, I mean, I can, I can make Kurt fly. Like we can both fly <laughs> and go. It's, it's going to be okay. As long as the popes are going to we'll play a, a Saturday night, it'll be amazing. Saturday night concert, maybe at the Metro. And then Sunday we'll be their front row at church. All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 We just made some plans. Okay. Sounds like a plan. I like it. <laughs> well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a delight. We appreciate your time. And uh, we also appreciate the uh, correction of the uh, the interpretation. So uh, it's been great. Well, I, th- I want to thank you for coming up with a more humorous <laughs> version of my <laughs> And thereby elevating that song. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I think from now on, when I sing of it, when I sing it, I'm going to think of it your way. <laughs> oh my oh god! Oh my god! Great. Biggest compliment ever. Oh. Yeah, and when we do eventually wind up uh, in Arizona, be it Pope's or solo, um, you know, I'll I'll let you know and and. Uh, you know, you can come out to the show and we can meet face to face. It'll be great. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Jen is inaudibly screaming at this moment because it is too much for the microphone to handle. So I'm so sorry, guys. This is one of those times I'm that I, go wish, pass out now. I wish we did a video <laughs> podcast so we could see Jen just going high order. <laughs> going full hummingbird. It's been a great day. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us, Josh. The flailing hands would help people to... Uh, to understand the excitement that's happening yeah (laughs) yeah okay well no thanks for having me you guys i've enjoyed talking to you that was fun but now we're done we've got to run goodbye